0: Good morning everybody. It's so lovely to be here. I know you've had Faluso before but I'm not her so I hope I'll bring you something slightly different. Um, my name's Carol, I'm a husband there Peter. We live over in Surrey, Camberley Way so that's where I've come from this morning and I've been a volunteer with Compassion for I think about 12, 13 years, something like that. So um Hopefully I'll be able to give you some interesting things to think about. Um, We're going to start by opening the Word together. This is in two parts this morning, so we're going to open the Word together for a little while, and then I'm going to give you some feedback and, and information. There'll be videos to watch and all sorts, so just to give you an idea which where we're going. And we're going to start with Matthew 25, 31 to 46. I'll give people a few moments to... Um, find that passage in their Bibles. It's the parable of the sheep and the goats. You probably all know it fairly well. We're just going to see what God has to say. So when the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, he will sit on his glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered before him I was a stranger and you invited me in. I needed clothes and you clothed me. I was sick and you looked after me. I was in prison and you came to visit me. Then the righteous will answer, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink? And did we see you a stranger and invite you in or, or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go to visit you? And the king will reply, Truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. Then he will say to those on his left, Depart from me, you who are cursed into the eternal fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry and you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger and you didn't invite me in. I needed clothes and you did not clothe me. I was sick and in prison, you did not look after me. They will also answer, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty, or a stranger or needing clothes or sick or in prison, and did not help you? And he will reply, Truly I say to you, whatever you did not do for one of the least of these, You did not do for me. And then they will go away to eternal punishment, but the righteous to eternal life. many ways, it's quite a strange parable, isn't it? I wonder what it makes you think. I'm just going to put some of these things down here. I've got too many things in front of me. What do you notice? Maybe you notice, first of all, that it's a call to support the poor. Maybe that's what you notice. Maybe you wonder whether you've measured up. Makes me think that, have I measured up? And I know you're a church who support all sorts of things. Maybe you feel it's a commendation from God for what you've done. Maybe you're thinking, oh heck, have I missed something? Did I miss somebody? Maybe you notice the eternal consequences of your actions. And the thing that always gets me about this passage Hey, the goats called him Lord, too. What's with the goats? Have you ever wondered about them? That got me thinking about the sheep and the goats, and what the difference was. Both of the groups seemed to know about Jesus. Both had heard his name, and the goats were referring to him as Lord. And I can hear some of you, the cogs whirring in your brains, and you're saying, but it says we are saved by grace. We've been saved through grace by faith, not by works. We all know that one, don't we? So that no one can boast. So, Jesus, it's not about our works. You've told us that elsewhere. I wonder what it is about. So that first group were called righteous. They heard the voice of God and they responded to us. You know, righteousness is a gift from God. to All those who call him Lord, righteous, they were righteous. But they were also those who'd learned to hear God's voice and to understand his heart. They'd been saved by grace, but they'd grown closer to God in their walk. And they become increasingly sensitive to his voice. They could feel with they could feel with God's heartbeat. They could see with what He could see. And do you know what? They hadn't even realised they were doing it. Says they said, "But where did we see you hungry? Where did we see you thirsty?" They had they'd only half been aware of it. There'd it been a small voice. That had dropped into their mind and they'd started to do things and feel with God. But what are the goats? They call him Lord. Why? Well, you know what? Even the devil knows his name. It doesn't mean they served him. They knew who he was, but they didn't serve him. They know of God that they don't have that personal relationship with him. They've not been made righteous. They don't have their ears and eyes opened and they don't feel with God's heartbeat. So it it led me to think, so we're called to hear his voice and to respond to what God is saying. Yes, to provide for the needy, but more primarily to hear what God is saying to each and every one of us. And what I felt for this morning was really that that God wanted to say, open your eyes and your ears and hear what I am saying to you this morning. What is it that I'm saying to you this morning? We're going to have a look at another passage. This is Samuel and Eli. And this one is in 1 Samuel 3, verses 1 to 10. Yep. Though the boy Samuel ministered before the Lord under Eli, in those days the word of the Lord was rare; There were not many visions. And one night Eli, whose eyes were becoming so weak that he could barely see, was lying down in his usual place. The lamp of God had not yet gone out, and Samuel was lying down in the temple of the Lord where the ark of God was. And then the Lord called Samuel, and Samuel answered, Here I am. And he ran to Eli and said, here I am, you called me. I said, I didn't call you. Go back and lie down. And so he went and down. Then again, a second time, the Lord called Samuel. And Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, here I am, you called me. My son, Eli said, I did not call you. Go back and lie down. Now, at this point, Samuel didn't yet know the Lord. The word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. And the Lord called Samuel a third time. And Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, Here I am, you called me. I think at this point, Eli realized what was going on. And it was the Lord who was calling the boy. So Eli told Samuel, go and lie down. And if he calls you, say, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. So Samuel went and lay down in his place and the Lord came and stood there calling as at all the other times, Samuel, Samuel. This time Samuel said, speak, your servant is listening. It was that phrase, speak for your servant is listening. Our call to listen to the voice of of God and to be responsive to what he's saying to us wondered, do we always recognize that voice? Does it ever get drowned out by busyness? I know that's my problem. I get over busy and I stop listening. Maybe we sometimes confuse it. We don't quite know whether it's God speaking to us or not. And God would challenge us and say, "Put yourself in the place where you can hear God's voice." Allow time and space. Tune in. I wonder what God's saying to you as an individual in your quiet space. It certainly won't be the same as the person sitting next to you. But God does want to speak with each and every one of us. And what I'd like to do this morning is to tune in to what God is saying to you. And it might be about what I'm about to speak about, but it might not be. It might be about something completely different. What is God wanting to say to you? So I thought I'd give you a little bit of background as to how I got involved with compassion. And it was actually through one more passage. You don't have to find it because it's a tiny bit that's coming on the screen. From Isaiah 58. Something that had been important to my husband and I, actually. It says, Is not this the kind of fasting I've chosen? to loose the chains of injustice, untie the cords of the yoke, to set the oppressed free and break every yoke? Is it not to share your food with the hungry and to provide the poor wanderer with shelter? And when you see the naked, to clothe them, not to turn away from your own flesh and blood. And God had been speaking to us about that for a long time. And hey, I'd had a few arguments with God. Well, God, there's there's too many issues out there. There's too much going on. How do you expect me to deal with all that? There's war over here. There's war over here. There's famine there. There's people on the streets there. Hey, God, just little old me. And I didn't really know how to respond, and it all felt too big. And then I had the privilege of dealing with my father's affairs after he died. And being the organized man that he was, he'd left me a box with everything in. And one of the things in that box was the profile of a child, not this one, obviously. And I looked at it. Never heard of that before. What is it? Compassion? Didn't know my father had anything to do with that. There was a little note with it to say that, you know, she'd nearly finished the project and he'd finished paying for all her fees and things. And it was like the little... That's what you can't sort out all the problems of the world. But you can change the future for one child. And that was what saw, started us off on the journey with compassion, which was 16 years ago. And I'll show you a picture of our first ever compassion child in a bit and tell you what he's up to. It was 16 years ago when we first started sponsoring a little boy. So I'd like to tell you something about how things are for you because I know that you've been supporters of compassion for a while and I'm just wondering where the slides have got to, that looks about right um, because compassion, and first of all thank you so much for all the effort you've put in, the monies you've given, the, the relationships you are building with your compassion children. As I, as I tell you a bit about things, I hopefully you'll understand how important that is. But this slide behind me is really what compassion is about. There was some research done a few years back about the outcomes for compassion children. Because it's no use just feeding people and then letting them go back to where they were at in the first place. And I don't know, is it too small to read? I hope not. But anyhow, I can summarise it for you. The research showed that compassion children were more likely to stay in education than their peers, that they were more likely to have salaried employment, and I'll tell you the relevance of that in a moment, and they were more likely to be uh, leaders in their communities and their churches than any of their peers. That's what we're about. We are about helping children who live in poverty to become the kind of adults who can be self-sufficient, who can have salaried employment because that's regular employment as opposed to the very haphazard jobs and bits of employment that their parents might have had and who can become leaders in their communities and can change their communities. We're about change. They say, don't they? Don't give a man a fish, give him a fishing rod. We're about change. And... I think, you know, that's really important. It says, doesn't it, train up a child in the way that she should go, and when he is older, he will not depart from it. And these children are trained up within the family of churches and given skills to become adults who can move forward in life. Um, I think there's another... about the next slide. So... I've been to Ghana and Togo. I went to visit some of the projects that we support because when I retired, I was a teacher, and when I retired from teaching, I felt I wanted to invest more of my time in compassion. I needed to know that what I was investing my time in was worth investing in. And I went to some projects in Ghana and Togo to see for myself. And these pictures are just indications of the kind of things that children might be taught. So there's some children up there who are being taught how to farm chickens. There's another child up there who's being taught how to make shoes. Um, children taught how to dress make and become tailors and and all sorts of things. Teachers, doctors, the whole the whole remit of of what you might you know want a child to become. And I also on that trip visited some and met with some adults who are on the next slide. Now, you'll also see a little picture of me up there. So that's me in the corner. And next to me is our very first compassion child, who we started sponsoring when he was six. He was 18 in that picture up there. He's 22 now. He has just, we call it, graduated from his compassion project. In other words, he's finished in his compassion project. He's got to the end. He has become an adult. That young man up there who was born into poverty is at university now. He's doing a degree in microbiology and is hoping to become a doctor eventually. We'll see where that leads him. I met a really articulate, well-mannered, motivated young man who also, by the way, was leader of Scripture Union and was being sent by the project around the town to to evangelize evangelise the, the town, and to tell other families how important it was to keep their children in education. And I looked at him, I thought, whoa. And I have to say, we didn't know a lot of that before I got there, because he was your typical boy writer. Sorry, gentlemen in the room, but I would, we'd ask him a question, and we'd get yes or no back. And but after I met him, I realised that, that things were a lot bigger and wider and broader than I had ever imagined. The other two up there are also, we'd call them compassion graduates. So they finished in a compassion project. One of them, the lady in red, um, had been, had learnt to, to sew. And she'd been set up by compassion with um, the tools, materials, sewing machine, premises, to start a sewing business. And she was also training up other people within the project to to learn the same skills as her. The other lady up there is learning to be a teacher. She will be a teacher by now, because this picture's four years old, but she will be a teacher. (laughs) These are people, especially the girls, who would have been destined to be married early, to have lots of babies, and to be perpetuating the cycle of poverty. And they're not okay so let's look at the children you've got so the next slide now I have to just get word of warning always with these slides if you recognize a child you sponsor could you wave at me or that you know a group sponsor or your church sponsor there's one lady over there there's a couple, you've got two children up on your board there, and I'll tell you about them at the moment. So you've got one child that the church sponsors. I think you've got another child that a uh, ladies' group sponsors. Have I got that right? You people, coffee morning. Sorry, not just ladies. Um, and then I think there's one or two individuals. of. Have... Yeah. Yeah, okay. So if you do sponsor a child and their picture is not up there, please tell me afterwards and we'll make sure the next time someone comes their picture is up there okay so some information about how they're doing and we're going to watch some all sorts of bits and pieces so the next slide now there's something about this slide that i'm not co- convinced is correct and it's the medical thing because all our compassion children have medical checkups so whether someone's put the wrong figure in there for us or maybe it's someone in the community does those checkups therefore it's not recorded but those are some of the things. So, hours for children are projects, nutritious meals, medical checkups, and Bibles given. That's to your five children. Let's have a look at the next one. This is about gifts, and everybody who sponsors gives a certain amount per month £28 a month to sponsor. But you do have the opportunity, no requirement, but the opportunity if you wish. To give additional gifts so where it says four additional gifts up there they're likely to be birthday gifts and most birthday gifts are given as financial donations because they're then that people on the ground buy what's what's needed so that child that i showed you that's now graduated um who our our uh, compassion child he bought a mattress with some money we bought We sent him. And it wasn't a lot of money, so don't think we sent loads and loads and loads of money. It was probably £20 or something. Um, The other kinds of gifts people can give at Christmas, all the birthday gifts are given individually to a child. Christmas, the gifts are pooled, and the reason that is done is to ensure that every child gets a, a Christmas gift because birthdays, some people choose to send gifts and some people don't. I would encourage you... If, if you can just send a little bit, it makes a lot of difference. When send a, a birthday card, it makes a lot of difference. but the Christmas money is a pool. Other gifts that could be up there are family gifts. you can give gifts to the family if you so wish or to the project. right, next slide. Now I'm gonna let this slide speak for itself. okay. I'm sure those people who've just read it will understand why I'm going to let it speak for itself. Can I just say to you, the children treasure the letters you send. It doesn't matter what you write about. You know, just avoid things that are specifically wealth-related, (laughs) yes? Yes? You know, you don't want to make them feel bad. But, you know, they like to know about your family. They like to know about what you've been doing, about any get-togethers you've had with friends. You know, ours want to know what's our favorite meal, so I choose something. But, again, I caution you. Don't make anything too elaborate. Um, but, you know, it doesn't matter what you talk. But send, and send words of encouragement because... You know, to tell a child that they're loved, appreciated, and that they can do it, that they can make it. Yes? That despite what's going on around them, they can become something, they can be something. They can get their way out of the situation they're in is so important. So I'm not going to say any more about that behind me, but you could try and write two letters to your child every year. Next little slide For those of you who like technology, I appreciate some people don't. There are different ways to communicate. You can write on paper, which is sent to the office and then is (coughs) sent through. You can write online. You can have a login account online with Compassion. Or we have this app. Has anyone discovered this app? Right. My husband is the app man. So if you want to know how that operates, it is lovely. It gives you, just on your screen, all the information about your child, You can write letters on it. You can give money on it. Okay? That's another way. But I really don't mind how you do it, but just keep communicating. Okay? And your children, and on the next slide, these are the countries that your children are from. And I have on the table at the back there a sheet for each of those countries with information, which, if it's your personal child, please feel free to take a sheet. I think I've done two two for the the church children and for the the fellowship children, coffee morning children, um, but it will give you a bit more information about them. Okay, so we're going to watch a couple of videos and have a bit of information about those children who are sponsored by groups of you in here. I'm not, I can't give you feedback on every child, okay? But we will do that. So we're going to start with a little update video from Burkina Faso, which is where Benjamin. I think the first child your church sponsored comes from. So let's have a little look at the update from Burkina Faso. So that's where Benjamin comes, who's coming up on the next slide. I'm sorry it's not a very good picture of Benjamin. I'm afraid that's the best I have. Um, So Benjamin, just to give you an idea, who's seven at the moment, um, comes from a community of about 5,000 people. Similar kind of housing to what's shown here, and something to pr- for you to pray for. A lot of the people in the community have very amenistic b- beliefs, so you know they will. That their belief system is not the same as ours, and so we want you know pray for God's truth to break through there. Um, literacy rate in the in the area is 34 percent, so he will come out of the project. literate. will be a big advantage and the average monthly wage there is about 65 pounds So that gives you a bit of an idea and the the needs in the area really are related around early years and tertiary tertiary education they will educate the you know for the primary years but not so much before and after okay and then the coffee group have got i'm not sure how you pronounce her name so i'm just going to go for it Nyahook or something like that. Okay, there she is up there. Um, She's nine and she comes from a much larger community of about 117,000 people in her community. And the kind of work that most people have in that community are as day labourers. This will be casual work as and when it can be acquired and domestic service. One of the big issues in that area is that there are refugee camps that are over 268,000 refugees in that area. That obviously has a big impact, and about 40% have no access to hygiene facilities. Um, Malaria and HIV are of concern as well. And I had to check this figure out because I didn't really believe it when I first saw it. There's an average monthly wage of seven pounds. Don't know what you do with that. I do not know. So she will be attending the project centre on Saturdays for about three hours and about four hours during the week, so seven hours in total. Okay. And they also talk to the caregivers. They look at sessions. They look at aids, hygiene, health, evangelist, evangelistic activities, and they also give the caregivers um, sessions on you know training them in skills so they can be. Productive. Now, I don't have a similar update video, but I've got a, a little video about a young man who is from Ethiopia, so it will give you a bit of an idea. It's not written in English, it's got subtitles. I think you might find it interesting. His name's Samson, so that's the next video clip. So, what does success look like for Samson? He is a survivor. And he is equipped for adult life. And he's equipped to help others. And he knows God. I think that's success. No one can take away his past. But we can change his future. I'm nearly finished. This guy up here. Don't worry about everything it says there, but... I've, on our face, the Facebook feed that we have for Compassion this week, there was a little message from Ronnie. This guy up here, who again was brought up as a Compassion child, born in poverty. And this is another little indication of success. First of all, he has personal success. You can read that behind me. But this is what he wrote this week. On Sunday, I took my daughters to the church where my journey as a sponsored child started and Kampala. We attended a Children's Sunday service. They were so happy to be here. The centre is closing down soon because the levels of extreme poverty in the area have gone down. The contrast between their experience of St Kakukumba Chapel and mine while I was their age is so vast, all because of the work of Compassion International. I'll read that, set just that one sentence again. The center is closing down. You think, heck, why? Because the levels of extreme poverty in the area have gone down. Not needed anymore. That's success. Success. Okay, virtually there. So I'll come back to my original question at the beginning. But so what is God whispering to you today? And we would say to God, speak because your servant is listening. And God might have been speaking to you about all sorts of things while well, I've been speaking this morning. Sometimes God drops things in that are nothing to do with the situation we're in at the moment. But what's God asking of you this morning? Might it be to do with compassion? Might it be something else? I leave that with you. If you're a sponsor already, do you need to develop that relationship further. What words of encouragement does God want you to bring to your child? Does God want you to raise some funds for the family? Just a thought. What does God want you to communicate to your child? If God's saying to you this morning, well, I'd like you to sponsor a child, I've got five of them at the back there, real people. These are not just pictures, they're real people. Um, Several of them teenagers. They've probably had a sponsor before who is not able to continue. Several of them teenagers. Or has God been speaking to you about something completely different and you know that you need to go and do something? Because God won't be saying the same thing to all of us today. Which really leaves me to say leaves me saying a big thank you to all of you for what you do already. And we'll be over there, my husband and I, to answer any questions afterwards, to help you with anything you need help with. And there is information about the countries that are supported by this church on that table. And if it's your child, you please take a copy. If you would like to sponsor, as I said, it's £28 a month, you could share that with somebody. You know, you could take that on as a family project or as these ladies have a coffee group project or it doesn't have to be just you. It might be just you. I'll leave that with you. And thank you for inviting us. It's been a privilege to come. Thank you so much.